This podcast is brought to you by Ideate and Execute. Do you want to drive innovation in your organization, futurize your enterprise, ideate massively valuable new products, or execute them to market? Then contact us today at ideateandexecute.com and get started. Welcome to the Think Future Radio Show. My name is Chris Kalabukas, and once again, we're coming at you live from deep, deep, deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We're talking innovation, startups, the future, not necessarily those, not necessarily in that order. So I was thinking the other day as I was taking money out of the ATM that Aren't ATMs amazing? I mean, I'm still old enough to remember when you actually had to go into an actual bank and talk to an actual person in order to deposit money and withdraw it. That's right, folks. You actually had to go into the bank. There was no ATM. There was no way you could get money at 3 o'clock in the morning. If you needed money at 3 o'clock in the morning for, uh, you know, to pay off that bounce so you could get into that club, you were out of luck unless you'd gone to the bank the day before. That's right, folks. This is what you'd had to do. So take heed, millennials out there. Okay, the old guy's talking about times before. You act... You <laughs> Not only that, the bank had very short hours, right? Because they used to call it banker's hours. Banker's hours used to be extremely short. It would be like 8 till 3 or something like that, Monday through Friday. So you had to, typically, if you wanted money, you'd have to plan ahead. You'd have to plan ahead. So you'd have to go and make sure you had time during your lunch hour to go to the bank. And you'd get in, go into the bank, and invariably there'd be a big lineup at the bank. And if you wanted to withdraw money, you'd have to go in and fill out a withdrawal slip and enter all of your particulars... And then you'd wait in line and you would give it to the cashier and they would give you money. Same token with deposits. Deposits never just went straight into your bank account like your checks do today. They used to be given to you every other Friday or whenever the payday happened. Your boss would give you an actual check. And in some cases you'd get paid cash, which is useful, but most of the time it would be an actual check. They would just leave it on your desk or they would hand it to you. And then you would have to rush to the bank if you wanted this money for the weekend. You'd have to rush to the bank and wait in line, fill out a deposit slip with your account number and all these things, all these numbers that you have to remember. And then you'd hand it over to the cashier, and then she would say, did you want any money back from this? Cash the check, give you some money. Um, Because there was also, on the deposit slip, there was a, did you want any money back from this? Oh, it was horrible. It was antiquated. It was awful. And then comes along the most amazing device in the history of banking, the automated teller machine. That's right, folks, the automated teller machine. Automated teller machine. I love the way people say ATM machine because M is part of the uh, acronym. But the ATM revolutionized banking because now you could get money anytime you wanted. You didn't have to wait in line. 
It could be 3 in the morning. It could be 2 in the morning. It could be 8, 8 a.m. on your way to work. It could be any time of the day or night. You could just go get money or you could go deposit money. It was that simple. And that piece of automation improved our lives immeasurably. Sure, there are less bank tellers. But I would argue that the mind-numbingly boring job of being a bank teller at the time, which was basically, you know, what I just gave, told you. It's like you take a slip, you take the money, you give the money. The, the, the job went away. There's still tellers. There's still people who like doing it the old-fashioned way. They go into a bank, and now you go into a bank, and you can get money by... You basically act like an ATM. When you get to the counter, you swipe your card, and that validates you, that authorizes you, and you can get money or give money. So you can still do it that way if you want. But the automation turned everything upside down. And people were hewing and crying, oh my God, bank tellers would be out of work. Yeah, those people who didn't know how to do anything other than bank telling and weren't interested in expanding their brains so they could do something else, yeah, they were out of work, but... That probably gave them an opportunity to go do something else, something else that they enjoyed even more. But I digress. We'll talk about you know being fired and opportunities another time. This is about automation. Automation, you know, when you look at the bank machine, when you look at an ATM, you wow, you go, wow, that is amazing. I cannot live without an ATM. I can't imagine being without an ATM. So, why is it that we have such a problem automating other things? Because if you ask me, I think, personally, I enjoy talking to robots more than I enjoy talking to people. Especially when I want to just get something done. When I just want to get something done, when I want to do a thing, when I want to perform a task, I don't want to have to call somebody up and say, Hey, buddy, can you guys perform this task for me? Because I don't know this person. I don't know if they're a good person. I don't know if they're a bad person. I don't know if they're uh, uh, speaking the truth to me. I don't know if they're manipulating to me, me. I don't know if they're lying to me. I don't know what they're doing. You know, I have to put my trust in this individual who I don't know to do something for me. Whereas if I asked a robot to do something, then I know that robot's going to get it done because robot the robot doesn't know how to do anything else. The robot doesn't know how to not do the work. It's like an autoresponder, right? You have an autoresponder. You send an email to an autoresponding address. It will respond. It's not going to go, ah, damn it, I don't feel like responding today. I just had a couple beers last night. I feel like crap. I don't think I'm going to respond. No. It's not going to do that. It is always going to respond. It is always going to do the thing you programmed it to do. Automation. So, where are the large-scale other kinds of automation today? What else has been automated in a large scale, like the bank machine? What other jobs have been automated away in such a large scale. I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Because we've all gotten afraid. I mean, it's just like any other kind of innovation. We look at it and we go, oh my God, look at, what is that going to do? That is going to do, that is going to, so many people are going to be fired. So many people are going to lose their jobs. 
Because I made a post the other day about um, Uber and Airbnb and all these on-demand sharing economy things. And I'm a big fan of these on-demand sharing economy things. I don't know if it's a bubble or they work, you know, there's a certain period of time when they're hitting a perfect product market fit or uh, some of the things that I say about it is that they they speak to some really deep-seated need in humanity to help people and and waste and stuff like that. I got po- five points on that. You can check out my blog at thinkfuture.com. You'll see all of that. So I don't know if that's the thing that's making them popular. But the fact of the matter is there's so many people who are anti-Uber. And there's so many people who are anti-Airbnb. And this guy posts, oh yeah, well, Airbnb and Google are going to create all these... Or sorry, not Airbnb. <laughs> Uber is going to use all these... Eventually start using all these autonomous vehicles and all these Uber drivers are going to be out of work. See? Uber destroys jobs. Well, first of all, right now, Uber is only destroying the establishment taxi government uh, cabal at the moment. And yes, I completely understand that when autonomous vehicles come in, when autonomous vehicles are available, then Uber will move to autonomous vehicles. It only makes sense. It makes total business sense that they replace their employees, I mean, they're not even employees, they're contractors, with autonomous vehicles. But we should understand that. So if you're an Uber driver, you should go into that with eyes wide open, knowing that someday you may be replaced by an autonomous vehicle. But you shouldn't be angry about that, because that is just the way of the world. Life is change. And if a business can reduce costs by implementing an autonomous vehicle instead of you driving, then it's going to. But what does that do for you? You say, oh my God, I lost my job. What am I going to do now? Something else. I don't know about you, but driving, if you ask me, is a pretty mindless activity. You can't really do much else when you're driving. You can listen. You can't write. You can't create. I suppose you can create if you do something like a podcast in the car. But don't you think human beings are more intelligent than that? They, they can, they, 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 their brains, no matter what your education level is, no matter where you're born, what you do, what class you are, it doesn't really matter. Human brains have the capacity for so much amazing stuff. Yet here we are sitting behind a wheel, driving an automobile. You know how they say people use only about uh, 10% of their actual brains? Well, I think when we're driving, we probably use even like 2% of our actual brains. And then our brains are somewhere else. Ideating, innovating, thinking about new things, doing other things. Thinking about the game. Who knows what we're doing? But it's my contention that the whole point of automation... I think we forgot about the whole point of automation. The whole point of automation was to make our lives easier. Not to stop... Not to create jobs. Automation was there specifically to remove jobs, to remove the drudgery from humans and hand it to robots. Let the robots do the drudgery work. Let the robots do the stuff that humans don't want to do. But what does that mean? So there'll be there'll be all these humans who are freed up to do other things. Well, what can we get these humans to do? How can we get these humans to do things that are more human-like? How can we leverage humanity 
to do more amazing things that only humans can do and let the robots handle the automation. That's what we need to think about. We need to think about what we can automate. We can't, we can't think about, oh, what jobs are going to be destroyed. Because jobs are going to be created, jobs are going to be destroyed. All of that stuff's going to happen. You can't stop it. So we have to think about, if we're automating all of these tasks that humans did before, and these particular humans are going to no longer be doing that job anymore, what else can we ask them to do? What other things can we ask humans to do and things only humans can do? And if you think about it, the money that you've saved through hiring those humans to do X can be paid to those humans to do Y. But I digress. So I say automation is an amazing thing. It's a wonderful thing. And we need to do more of it. Just look at the bank machine. Just look at the ATM. Just look at the ATM and imagine what else we can automate. What other things do we do day in, day out? The drudgery that we do every day because we have to. Not because we want to, but because we have to. Which of those things can we automate? And if you could do that, if you can do that, then... Will you be sitting at the helm of the next billion dollar startup? Are you sitting at the helm? Are you are you saddling up that unicorn? I don't know. You may be. You may be. Anyways, that's it for me for today. See you next time. And until then, don't forget to think future. future.